The words look and see, we use them all the time, but we don't really use them literally. We say things like this, we'll tell someone to look here in one case. I mean, we're in East Texas. I can't tell you how many times I can tell, look here, look here. They don't say that in Las Vegas quite like that. In one case, they, they, what they want is to show us a, maybe a picture of their new grandbaby. So it's literally, look, right here. Uh, another time, they're actually trying to get us to listen to what they're saying, but they're saying, look here. So look while I talk. So it really means listening. Another time, uh, it means that they want us to look or to think deeply about something they're saying. The looking that they want is not actually something physical. It's, it's a mental looking. They want us to construct a, a picture. Another time, it's that they want us to see it, but they want to see it deep. Some, some deeper meaning that we might miss by looking at the surface. We also say things in our culture like, look deep inside yourself. And the implication is that, you know, there's, there's something that can be done. There's an inner strength that you won't find on the outside. You've you got to dig deep. Likewise, we say things like, I see. And what we mean is, you know, I see. I, I get it. I comprehend it. Or, I see. I see what you're looking at. I see the picture of your grandchild. Or we say, I see, as in, like, this eureka moment. The Bible also has different words that mean See. And they're all over this passage. That's why the title of the sermon is Seeing is Believing. In this passage alone, there are words that that mean to perceive, to pay attention, to make visible or apparent. Or there's a type of seeing that, that leads to knowledge. And then there's discernment. The common thread within them all is that there's something much greater than mere sight that we must see and must have penetrate our consciences if we're ever to have belief in Christ. So this morning we will want to look at three things. Our three points are look to the Lamb, repent and see, recognize the Son. Look to the Lamb, repent and see, and recognize the Son. Our first point, look to the Lamb. This is from verses 29 and 30. We must look only to Jesus as our sacrificial Lamb who takes away our sins and nothing else. It's the first thing that John says. Verse 29 and 30 say this. The next day Jesus saw, there's one of those words, saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, behold, it's a command. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. That word behold is an absolute command. He's saying, set your sights on this man. See him the way I see him in the flesh that he's walking before you. Here he is. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But the word behold means something much deeper. It's not just an observation. It's a fixing your mind. He's saying, get hold of this. Get it. This Bible, all of this about the sacrificial system where you had to sacrifice a lamb and put your hand on its head and transfer your sins to it. Or or even in the Exodus when you had to sacrifice a lamb and, and put its blood on the lentil or on the doorpost. That was all about him. This is the lamb that all that Old Testament was talking about. This is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. So we must look only to Jesus as our sacrificial lamb. You know, uh, Leviticus 1.4 
is, is the scripture where it talks about placing your hand on that, on that lamb and literally transferring your sin to it. Leviticus 14 says that we have to offer a lamb for cleansing of sins. And here we have John the Baptist saying, behold, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world, who cleanses your lamb. And it was those sacrifices that along with the day of atonement, that would make us at one at peace with God. And that's the ultimate work of Christ is that now there's peace between God and man. But if the lamb is not the one that you're looking to to take away your sins, then what are you looking to? Are you hoping that your good deeds will outweigh your bad? That's, that's the one we, we seem to hear the most, isn't it? I, I, just, I hope that when I get to heaven, I've done enough good things that God's going to go ahead and just kind of turn a blind eye to all those sins that I've ever committed. Or that somehow we'll do enough good that we can just cover over our sins. Or are you trying to earn your way into heaven? Maybe you've got a little ledger sheet that you keep, kind of like keeping a, a checkbook. Well, I did this bad and I did this good, and I'm not hoping that my good outweighs my bad. I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. So I'm gonna, I need to do some more good works. I need to do some penance, some atonement. I need to go uh, serve at the food kitchen. I need to give some more money to the church or to the poor. I really need, I'm going to commit. I'm going to read my Bible an hour every single day because I've got to make up for that. That doesn't work, by the way. Or have you simply never realized that because of your sin, you're not acceptable as you are? That seems like maybe the most likely in today's world because we have a world that tells you you are perfect just the way you are. Just the way you are. You're not lacking anything. If somebody, if somebody judges you, if somebody says that you're a sinner, you know, it's really a problem with them. That they're not just accepting you and loving you. But the fact is, you do need the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. It is not for nothing that God sent His Son. Do you think that God sent His Son to die if there was any other way? Jesus Christ Himself says, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The sacrifice of lambs had to be repeated over and over again. Anytime you had a major sin in your life, you would have to go make an offering. Every single year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest had to go in and he had to offer the blood of bulls and of goats or of lambs. Every single year. It never lasted. It never actually took away their sins. It's kind of like cleaning the toilet. You know, I might, I might get in there with some good cleaner and a good brush, and I might just work real hard and, and get that thing just shiny clean. Come back the next day, it didn't last. Wouldn't it be great if you could just spray your toilet with something? I mean, just everything, just kind of nothing stuck to it. You know, that'd be fantastic. We have that. Nothing sticks No sin sticks to the life of a believer. The blood of Christ is like Teflon. There's no accusation that Satan can make to you that will stick. No charge. There's no sin that you can commit when you have been covered in the blood of the Lamb that will disqualify you from heaven. Because unlike the blood of of goats and of rams and of lambs, which had to be offered over and over and over again, 
the blood of Christ was sufficient. He made one offering for all time for all people. In our marriages, in our, in our parenting, we can look to other things than the blood of the lamb. We'll, we'll look to things to, to help us out or to cover over our sins or to fix the brokenness in our relationships. We'll look to books. We'll look to therapists. We'll look to Dr. Phil. He's popular. None of that works. None of that lasts. They might have good advice. They might have good tips. They might work this time, but it doesn't work the next time. It doesn't actually heal. Only the blood of Christ heals. Only the gospel has the power to actually change our lives instead of changing the situation. Everything else is just like cleaning the crud off of a toilet. It comes back. Amen? Christians, do you continuously look to Jesus to take away your sins? Not just once, and I've got it from here, but continually. Do you, or do you look to do that yourself? Do you think that it's your responsibility to keep it clean, to keep your life clean, to keep yourself sinless and free from, from all these things? If you do, it's no wonder that you get overburdened and you get discouraged because you can't. If, if you told me, Andrew, you got to go die on a cross to have a, a, a hope at heaven. It'd be overwhelming and discouraging. You've got to literally give up your life on this earth so that you can have life in heaven. That would crush me, that thought, right? Any more than, than to say, okay, I've, you've received this salvation. Christ died on you, but now you've got to do this work to keep it. It's overwhelming. It's overbearing. You can't do it. Christ didn't just die on the cross for the sins you committed before you were saved. Christ died on the cross for all of your sins. And nothing sticks. No charge against you will stand because of that cross. Because he is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Second point this morning is repent and see. Repent and see. This is verses 31 through 32. Jesus was revealed. There's one of these words for see, right? He was made to be seen. He, he was there. He was in the crowds, but they didn't know. It would be like, I don't know, if, if we had some celebrity here with us, but they had on maybe a, a mask or some kind of a disguise or maybe not. Maybe they just didn't have all the, all the makeup and all the fancy stuff. And so you didn't recognize them for who they were. Jesus was in their midst. But Jesus was revealed after the people repented of their sins and turned their hearts to God. This is, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry on this day. The Holy Spirit descends on him. He's baptized. From here, he goes out into the wilderness. From there, he's going to call his disciples. Everything turns at this moment because John the Baptist's work has been brought to a completion. Remember, he has been pe preaching about repentance. He has been baptizing for repentance. Scripture says this, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. You and I must repent of our sins 
for the true Jesus to be revealed to us. The world knows about Jesus. They've heard all kinds of things about him. They know that he's the, the subject of the Bible. They know he's allegedly the son of God. They know that he said a lot of good things. A lot of what he said they love to hear. Right? Do unto others as you have done unto you. That sounds great. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not so great. Right? Deny yourself. That sounds wonderful. Be holy. Be sinless as I am sinless. That's difficult. They know about Jesus, but for the true Jesus to be revealed, it's a different matter. You know, he was already in their midst, but they, they didn't see him in their minds. They only saw him with their eyes. That's inevitably some of us. We might have seen him in our whole lives, but he's never transformed our lives. He's in the word, but we don't truly see him. It was repentance and baptism that inaugurated Christ's ministry to Israel. That's where it all began. And that's when our Christian lives begin as well, is when we repent. We no longer regard our sin, but we have a new mind about it. We want to turn from it because we know, we know that all our sins will get us is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. You can't regard Jesus and sin and still have Jesus. And that's what this is saying. Think about this. God waited until they repented, until they had a new mind. They were done with their sin before he gave them his son. If Jesus had been revealed before that, they would not have accepted him because they weren't done with their sin yet. And that's the same story for so many Christians. So many Christians. When you are finally at the bottom, when you finally realize just how ugly your sin is, you look to Christ, you see him, and you believe, and your life is transformed. But brothers and sisters, you can't hold on to your sin and hold on to Jesus. He won't share your heart with sin. He won't share your heart with sin. He wants all of you every last bit. You must come to a place where you want to be done with sin if you want to lay hold of Christ. You must repent and believe. But we won't repent until we see exactly how sinful our sin is. Christians, one of the worst things that we can do is to proclaim to the whole world that that we have Christ, that we're Christians, but then to carry on with our sins and our trespasses. What we do there is we tell the world that that they can have Jesus and sin. It's a lie. We're telling them a lie about who Jesus is and our relationship with him by our very lives. At best, they might see us as hypocrites. But at worst, they might believe you, that they can have Jesus and their sin. And they can't. And so they might be prone to thinking, well, I, I can do both. And that's a false salvation. Jesus requires all of us. Jesus, this Lord, this King, he doesn't share his kingdom. There are no co-rulers for the Christian heart. You're either his or you're the devil's. This is one reason the Bible is so concerned with sin in the church. 
You know, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11 says, But now I am writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother, if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. If that sounds harsh, not even to have anything to do with uh, someone who claims to be a Christian but willfully continues in sin, it's because we've become soft on sin. We don't realize how sinful sin actually is. We believe the lie. How will the lost see Jesus if our church tells them that they can keep their sin? You can't have it both ways. Our third point this morning is that we must recognize the Son. This comes from verses 33 through 34. It says, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. We must recognize that Jesus has all a power and all authority over heaven, earth, and life because he's the Son. He has it because his Father has it. If you've ever worked in a a large company, especially if it's owner-operated, you, you, as you've typically got the big boss, the old man. And as he gets older, you'll, you'll see his son or his sons kind of come into the family business. Well, you treated the old man with respect. You feared him. You honored him. But now when his son comes in, if you don't treat him with the exact same respect, that's not going to go well for you. You're putting your job at risk. You're putting your pay at risk. You're positioning the company at risk. Jesus has all power and all authority because he is the son. That is what John the Baptist is telling us here. He has everything the old man has. Jesus has all power and authority. He is Savior and he is Lord. This means that I'm not the captain of my own ship. I'm not the commander of my own soul. I don't control my own destiny, as the popular poem says. If I recognize that there is an authority that's higher than me, And this authority has real power over me. Jesus Christ is the Son of God with all the power of God. What kind of a fool would I be if I kept doing everything my way? If I didn't bother to find out what the Son required of me? Friend, if you recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's Lord, It's time to find out what he wants and to start doing it his way. You won't earn your way into heaven. Your good will never outweigh your bad. There's not an alternate path. What society says that all religions lead to God, it's just not true. He has revealed himself. From cover to cover, it's the same story. It's his story. It is all about Jesus. And he has said from the beginning that God is holy. And at the beginning with Adam and down to you, every man is a sinner. And they all fall short of the glory of God. And God is so holy and so perfect, he can't even be in the presence of sin. And so within ourselves, there is no hope. That's the bad news. The good news is that this God who is so holy is also love. And he loves so much that he made a way for us. He sent his son, this one, Jesus Christ, 
to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That Jesus Christ's blood was sufficient to save you from your sin and to keep you throughout your life from your sins so that God will pass over in his righteous wrath all that you have done. But you must believe. You must believe. It's not enough to know, just to see that he exists. You must believe. You must see and be transformed by the fact that God gave his only son to die for you. That whoever so shall call upon his name would be saved. Because he's Lord, because he's the son of God, he gets to dictate how we live. He gets to dictate how we vote. He gets to dictate how we love and who we love. We defy his sonship when we have a pro-choice agenda. We defy his sonship when we don't care about immigrants or the poor. We defy his sonship when we live lives that are inconsistent with the Bible. We deny his sonship when we think that the church has to be done the same way that it's always been done our entire lives. We deny his sonship when we think that church members have to look and act a certain way. If we're having marital relations with somebody that we're not married to, we deny the power and the authority of the Son of God. If we think that divorce is permissible, we deny his power and his authority. Church, when we think that we can do church any way we want, or any way that we've seen others do church, instead of searching the scriptures to see what God has to say, we deny him. We live and worship as though Jesus wasn't the Son of God. When we see him for who he really is, and if we believe in who he really is, we will be transformed. We will be made new. We will be made clean. We will be made heirs. We will be made citizens of heaven with a Lord and a Savior. When we've taken our eyes off of him and we've gone astray, as we all are prone to do, All we have to do is what John says here. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's good news for the lost, and that's good news for the saved. At every point in your life, never stop looking at Jesus and being transformed by him. This morning, if you've heard that word, you can only be saved by by the Son of God, by the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. If you believe that, that you must have faith and this has been the first time in your life, put your full trust in Him. Today is the day of your salvation. 